until there's another man elected to Pastor Twyman, to Sister Twyman, to all of the officers of this great church, and to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Indeed, it is just a blessing to be here. I first want to acknowledge and thank the executive committee for allowing me and asking me to come and share with you. Uh, there are plenty of preachers they could have asked, but we thank God for the opportunity and privilege. You do know it's a privilege to preach. Amen. So we thank God. We don't want to hold or strain your patience. There is a word located in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, beginning at the third verse. In the time that we are living in, we need to be acquainted with the God of all comfort. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at the third verse. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Amen. And it reads, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the suffering of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. Amen. I want to share with us from the thought, and if you can lend me your imagination for a few moments, I want to share with us from the thought the collateral beauty of God's comfort. The collateral beauty of God's comfort. December 2016, there was a movie that was released entitled Collateral Beauty. It starred Will Smith and a number of A-list actors. Will Smith played a character named Howard Inlet. Howard is a successful advertising executive who we see at the beginning of the movie being presented before 
the company. He was being presented by one of his partners at a all-company meeting. Howard looked good. He looked vibrant. He looked youthful. He looked like a man who was at the top of his game. It's a moment of celebration as each person in attendance hung on his every word. He opens up with a question to the group, what is your why? Why did you get up this morning? Why did you eat what you ate? Why did you put on the clothes that you are wearing? And then he relates that question to the goal of advertising with the purpose that advertising is meant to connect with people through sales. So as he shares this information, he narrows everything down to three abstractions, love, time, and death. He said that we all long for love. We wish we had more time, and we all fear death. As he challenged this group with the realities of love, time, and death, the scene changes. And in the midst of that change, something happened. Something is different. Howard, who was pictured at first as this good-looking, vibrant, on-top-of-his-game man, now we see him weathered, worn, and haggard. A tragedy had impacted his life. It impacted him in such a way that in the scene he is in his office with a number of different colored dominoes that are stacked in different colors. And the scene shows him placing the last domino on his desk and he knocks the domino down. When he knocks that domino down, all the dominoes in this configuration throughout the office begin to fall. And I wondered about that, Pastor, and I thought to myself, so too is our life. Our lives are like those dominoes. One thing falls after another. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You answer the phone to some bad news. You get an email with some more bad news. You hang up the phone, there's a text message about something that has happened. You turn on the TV, there's death, destruction, and tragedy. The dominoes of our lives at times can fall down. And in those times, we are in need of comfort. We are in need of 
consolation. We are in need of knowing that God sees about us, that he hears our cry. It's something about this life, that you won't make it through this life without shedding some tears. There's going to be some heartache and heartbreak. There's going to be some things that are going to disappoint you. It's going to be some tragedies that occur in your life that's going to shake us to our core. So the question is, what is this whole notion of collateral beauty? See, we're used to hearing about collateral damage. And that's in a negative connotation. When you think about collateral damage, it's often used in a military term or a military operation. It relates to the casualties of those who are not at war, but how they've been impacted and their lives have been put to an end. Collateral damage. But when it comes to collateral beauty, collateral beauty will cause you and I to see a situation a little bit different. You see, there's beauty in all the tragedies and all the trials and tribulations that we experience in this life. There's beauty, but we have to have our eyes open to see the beauty of what God is orchestrating in our lives. God is for you. God is not against you. The trials and tribulations that we experience in this life have to go through God before they reach us. the tragedy, the tears, the heartache that you feel. Trust me that we serve and worship a living God that cares so much that he offers his comfort. He knows that this life is going to be hard because we live in a sin-fallen world. And many times, we can't even catch our breath. You ever been in a situation where you feel like you're drowning? You're drowning in despair and discouragement. You're drowning with all the issues of life. And it seems as though that you can't capture your breath. Well, there is a word from God for you today that there is a collateral beauty in everything that we experience in this life. God is not an absentee father. He attends to our hearts and our minds. He cares about 
the emotions and things that we go through. So I want to encourage us today, because it's been more than a year and a half that we've been under this pandemic. So much loss of life. The U.S. just celebrated 700,000 lives that have been taken by this dreadful disease. People are living in fear. People don't know how they're going to make it tomorrow. If you happen to be sitting here right now, wondering how you're going to make it to tomorrow, let me introduce to you the God of all comfort. He is the God of all comfort. He'll see about you in the midnight hour. He'll see about you when the tears are falling. He'll see about you when your heart is broken. Let me introduce you to the God of all comfort. Here it is. The Apostle Paul is going to share with us some principles, some things that can help hit the reset button in our lives. You know, sometimes when your computer got too much information going through it, you need to sometimes shut the computer down so that it can reset itself. The same is true for our lives. Sometimes we got to sit down and hit the reset button and let God's peace reign over our lives. Do I have a witness? Comfort. Comfort. There's many ways that comfort can occur. You could buy a $25,000 mattress to get comfortable, but it doesn't guarantee you any sleep. You could buy the most comfortable shoes on the market, but it doesn't guarantee that you'll be able to walk. All these things in life that we chase after to create comfort in our lives are futile at best because they provide a temporary relief, but they don't provide the much needed relief that can comfort our souls. There's only one that can comfort our soul. There's only one that can make a difference in our lives. In the midst of everything that we're going through, I'm here to tell you today that God is available and he is accessible and he's willing to give you what you need. Do I have a witness? He is the God of all, of all comfort. The Apostle Paul starts in this second letter to the church at Corinth. The church is off the hook, even to the point where they question the ministry of Paul. 
It is said by some theologians that the second letter to the church at Corinth is one of Paul's most personal letters. You can see teardrops on the pages as he pins these words. Paul is in anguish. He's disappointed, but yet he's ever joyful because he realizes that the ministry that God had called him to, God was the only one that can sustain him. God was the only one who can make a way out of no way from him. This is a man who is writing a letter who have had some personal experiences with the all true and living God. So look at what Paul says in verse 3. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word blessed in the text is a very special and unique word. It's not just blessed or blessings that we share with one another. But this term has a unique connotation to it. You see, it's a word of gratitude. It's a word that identifies the praiseworthiness of God. It's a word that, that is only associated with God himself. In fact, the New Testament writers, when they wanted to, to, to introduce God, they would use this phrase, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It, 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 it's really a word that eulogizes to say something good about the God of all creation. And so Paul starts out with this introduction with an intention. Specifically, he is saying that when we talk about the God of all comfort, when we talk about the collateral beauty of God's comfort, the first thing that we need to recognize is that God's comfort is relational. Yeah, 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 there's a relationship that's involved here. First, Paul identifies the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And, and in that relationship, if you and I are going to ever be connected to the God of all comfort, we have to go through Jesus Christ. Jesus made it plain in John 14 and 6 that I am the way the truth and the life, and that no man can come unto the Father except through me. There's a relationship here that we need to focus our attention on. Don't you know that it was Jesus Christ who reconciled you and I to be in relationship with God? That if it was not for his death, burial and resurrection on Calvary's cross that you and I will be lost forever? 
It was Jesus who hung, bled, and died for my sins and for your sins and all the sins of the world. And now he sits at the right hand interceding on our behalf. There's a relationship that is involved with comfort. You see, when you think about God's comfort and the fact that we are his children, here's what I need you to know. God knows exactly how to comfort you. Did you hear what I said? God knows exactly how to comfort you. Let me see if I can make this make sense. I remember some years ago with my oldest daughter, Nia, and we were playing in the living room. And Nia was about three or four years old. And she loved to jump on my back and jump on my neck and jump on my head. And we're just laughing, having a wonderful time. And so in her attempt to run up and jump on my back, she slipped and hit her head. And she hit her head and she began to cry and her mama ran out the kitchen. And, and, and I stood up and I looked and her mama ran out and her mama went to grab her, but she moved her mama's hands. And as she was crying past her with tears in her eyes, she stretched up her arms because she wanted her daddy to grab her. She wanted her daddy to pick her up. She wanted her daddy to comfort her. And, 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 and so as I picked her up past her and put her head, she, she slowly dropped her head in my chest, which presents to me that she was being comforted. Let me tell us something right now. You ain't never too old to stretch your arms up to God. You ain't never too old. It's no age requirement to say, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help that I know. If thou withdraw thyself from me, oh, where will I? Where will I go? Sometimes in life, when you don't know how to handle your situation, stretch your arms out. Turn it over to the Lord. Because he's the only one that can make a difference. He's the only one that can change your situation. He's the only one that provide you with the comfort that you need to take the very next step. But there's something else. There's something else. Not only in the collateral beauty of God, in the collateral beauty of his comfort, not only do we recognize that it's relational, but we also see that it is reciprocal. It's reciprocal. Look at verse 4. In, in, in fact, before you go to verse 4, I apologize. Look at what he says in verse 4. I'm trying to, I need to drink some water. Y'all got me nervous up here. He 
in verse 4, the Apostle Paul says, in speaking about God, who comforts us in all tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. So in other words, what Paul is saying to us is the fact that when we receive comfort from God, when God has made a way out of no way for us, when God has provided a bridge over some troubled water, you and I have a responsibility in that we don't hog God's comfort, but we share God's comfort. We share it. It's reciprocal. It, it, it's, it's something that has to be done with what we receive from God. And when we share with somebody else, don't you know that when you share comfort with somebody else, that your burdens become a little bit easier to manage? Why? Because I'm not so focused on what my problems are, but I'm focusing my attention on meeting the needs of somebody else. Do I have a witness in here? You do understand that we are knitted together in love. That we need one another. We need one another. And we need to be able to share with one another what God is doing in our lives. So here it is. With the fact that God's comfort is reciprocal, it really speaks to how we ought to really look out for one another. You do know that the Bible, especially in the New Testament, is full of one another's. We gotta pray for one another. We ought to serve one another. We ought to love one another. We should forgive one another? Do I have a witness in here? God didn't save you to be by yourself, but he saved you so that you can make a difference in somebody else's life. The pain and tragedy that we experience, everything that we go through is not meant for us to go through it alone. It's purposed and designed so that you and I can lean on one another. But listen, I can't lean on you if you're not here. I'm still preaching. We need each other. We need one another. There's a lot of work to do, and I need you, and you need me. We need one another. We have to honor one another, right? And we can't do that if we're comfortable at home. It is God's expectation that you and I treat each other in the love that we have received from him. It's an expectation. Now, not only have we identified the relational aspect of God's comfort, and we just talked about the reciprocal component 
of God's comfort. But then there is the reality of God's comfort. One thing I want to share with us as we look at verse 6 and 7. Paul says, now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same suffering which we also suffer. Paul is specifically writing about and detailing the sufferings of his ministry along with Timothy and Titus and others who have joined him. And in that suffering, he realized that it wasn't just the suffering that he was going through, but the suffering had a purpose that he could come back and share with those who are in the faith. So think about the reality. Think about this reality. God is the God of all comfort, but doesn't mean that you and I should be comfortable. God is the God of all comfort, but it doesn't mean that you and I should be comfortable. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, let's think about it. There's a difference between being comforted and being comfortable. Yeah. Too many of us are comfortable. We're not carrying out our responsibilities in the body of Christ. We're not doing what we are supposed to be doing. We're comfortable. We're complacent. We're stuck. Right? We don't want to move nowhere. We don't want to do anything. We're stuck. It's been this way for 40 years. It's been that way for 90 years. We don't see the need to change. Don't you know that God saved you and I with the expectation that we are going to continue to grow? And you can't grow with being comfortable. Growth doesn't come through being comfortable. Growth comes through the trials and tribulations that we experience in this life. Because those experiences will be the experiences that God will come in and comfort us. Sit at home if you want to. But God looks for those who are busy in the work of ministry and not just complacent and waiting for somebody else to do it. Get right, church, and let's go home. We have become accustomed and immune with unconfessed sin in our lives. We've been comfortable with unconfessed. You wonder why hell might be breaking out all in your life? When was the last time that we were on our knees confessing our sins to God? Because the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, right? He is faithful and just. Don't get comfortable in your sin. Don't get comfortable with being complacent. Don't get comfortable with just cruising along because this life isn't about 
cruising along. It's about moving the, com the commission of Christ forward. The Great Commission. So it reminds me of a poem that I read. Some of us had this attitude called Comfort Me. Comfort, comfort me, Lord, and pay my bills. Comfort me, Lord, and cure my ills. Comfort me, Lord, and remove my fears. Comfort me, Lord, and dry my tears. Comfort me, Lord, and increase my wealth. Comfort me, Lord, and preserve my health. Comfort me, Lord, and plead my case. Comfort me, Lord, and enlarge my place. Comfort me, Lord, and tell me why. Comfort me, Lord, and set me on high. Comfort me, Lord, and do what I say. Comfort me, Lord, and do it today. The Spirit listened as I uttered with my mind. He said not a word as I pleaded and pined. And then he spoke in the language of conviction, saying that comfort isn't comfort in the absence of affliction. Don't be comfortable. Don't remain complacent. Get up, get out, and do something for the kingdom of God. That's what we were saved to do. He didn't save us to sit. Right, Pastor? He saved us to serve. And you can't serve if you're comfortable. As we come to a close, I remember reading a story about this songwriter, very famous songwriter, who, who was going through a real difficult time. He lost his mother. He lost his brother. He lost his father in the span of two years. He said it was probably the hardest time of his life. And, and, and things were, were, were just getting going. And all this grief happened in his life. Later, he would be diagnosed and would have to battle four types of cancer and congestive heart failure. Through all his heartaches and troubles, he continued to minister through music. He continued to, to serve as a pastor out in California. One day he said while he was praying to the Lord, he asked the Lord, why did you take my mother? And he felt God's strong, encouraging presence. And he praised the Lord. And then he got the voice of God in his head that said to him, you've written a lot of songs. I've given you about praise and worship of me in things. It's not for the things, but you should worship and praise me in things. So he penned these words. He said, I've had many tears and sorrows. I had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, 
God gave me blessed consolation, and my trials came only to make me strong. Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to depend upon his word. And the reason that I can depend on his word is because through 40 and two generations, Jesus came down. He healed the sick, provided sight for the blind. He raised the dead. They marched him on a hill, a hill of skulls. Jesus hung between two thieves. They spit on him. They beat him. They mocked him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Jesus died on that cross. Bare in the borrowed tomb. But early, Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. And that power, that's in Jesus' hand, gives us the collateral beauty of God's coming. May God bless you. As we stand together, as we stand together, we don't know who is in the midst. We don't know who's watching on live stream. If you are someone.